welcome to West of North London, where we're still waiting for the season to go bang. I'm Caleb. <laughs> and I'm Tim. I It seems like we've come so far since Arteta said that the project was waiting to go bang. But now I'm like, oh, now that we've got a taste of it, we got a taste of it last season. And mm-hmm. that bar got raised. And so now, now all these draws, especially these kind of draws, feel <laughs> extra painful because you know that they are capable of doing better. You know, it, it's just, it is funny because I think two seasons ago, I would be less disappointed with the, uh, the, the North London der- Derby result. Maybe, maybe not, but, uh, yeah, it does, it, you know, Arteta himself said that it felt like two points dropped and mm. I, I, I'm, I'm feeling that, but, uh, we have to remember it's so early. We're still undefeated. There's still lots going on. Unfortunately, city looks like they're steamrolling. So that's the, uh, the, the goalpost we have to measure ourselves with. I think we have to take into consideration that, uh, our, floor this year is still a cut above where we started out last season. Mm -hmm. I think even though we came out hot and, and like really used the preseason as a springboard, I still felt like they, they worked their way up to the kind of the mid season. Um, Whereas this feels like we're kind of, we're kind of where we were a little further along last season. Um, It's just, it doesn't feel like, We've turned that corner and that's, I think the frustrating parts. Cause I think we did, when you're thinking of where we left off last season, it was like, ah, oh, it was a little flat. wasn't quite where we wanted to be. And so I think there was a lot of, um, anticipation that things would just kind of pick up from the best parts of last season. Cause we got, got some players back. We had Saliba back in the mix. We, we got a, um, had a healthy Jesus for a minute <laughs> and, uh, yeah, because of injuries, because of whatever uh, new new players, maybe um, we could talk about that later. But it just hasn't turned over quite as quick as I think everybody was expecting. So when we have these stutters on these bit larger games, it uh, it it stings. It feels like a, a step backwards, even though we've te- taken a big step forward overall. I mean, I, I know we don't do generally do uh, content until after we do our fun stuff, but. Uh... <laughs> I I think if we had the number of injuries that we have right now, last season we would be in a very different situation. I think I I do I do believe that this is a testament to the depth that we've built this this last couple of windows. That even though we're we're missing a ton of key players, we're still able to 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 at least keep the engine turning over. As a and, yeah, you know when some of these players come back to full health and we, we, we are the ideal team, we're going to see a lot more of what we, we expect from this season. Yeah. We don't have to talk about this too much more, but I do see um, parallels with what, what people call the slow start for, um, for Man City last season. You know, I, I think it's okay to not come out f- firing all on all cylinders right out the gates. It's okay to kind of figure out things as the season goes on. And that's what they did with, with kind of feeling their way through the, the Holland edition, you know, like mm-hmm. he, he figured out what personnel worked and, and that 
that did click and did did kind of uh, peak at the right time of the season. We are not in the danger zone of of things going off the rails yet. We've got time for things to still click and get um, get to that next level beyond where we were last year. So I don't know. It's not panic stations. No, not we've yet. seen we've definitely seen worse starts to the season. I can tell you that in the last like mm. four years. So yeah, uh, but. There's there's always the 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 doubters that come out of the woodwork when we lose or when we don't have a good performance in in the uh, the derby games and it was uh, not quite to that level but I just I feel like there's some crazy people out there that are getting a little they're they're jumping off the bandwagon a little early. It's, I mean I think there's a lot of people that are just don't understand that they, this is a game of variances and you just got to keep an even keel and not get too high on the highs and not get too low on the lows and kind of take a realistic look at things and, and, you know, take a deep breath and, and realize that you're not going to win every single game. And although, you know, some games are more important to win than others. And obviously it'd be more ideal if we'd won that game against the, the other team for North London, uh, you know, a draw isn't the end of the world. No, but we'll, we'll talk about that more. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves here. We should, uh, talk about what we're drinking. Yeah. I, uh, I poured mine into a glass and drank most of it already. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was I saying you, you look fancy with a pint glass there. I, you know, when I do pour it into a glass, I feel like a, it, I drink more. I drink it faster. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Something I like I can being able to see it in the glass, I think is more tempting to me. Like it draws my eye and I'm like, Oh yeah. Whereas if it's yeah. sitting in a bottle or a can, I kind of ignore it. And then the, like the, 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 I guess the aperture in which you're taking in liquid is, is bigger. Cause like, you know, a can's kind of a tinier hole than a, a whole glass, a glass lip. I think there's something to that too. I, I definitely take bigger sips. Um, so what is it you're taking bigger sips of? Uh, so I usually am a top cutter guy from Bale Breaker, mm. but this time I, I have some bottom cutter. Ooh. And that's their IPA? Yeah, it's their other IPA. It's their stronger IPA. Well, top cutter's a pale ale, isn't it? Top cutter's a IPA. The oh. bottom cutter's an imperial IPA. Oh, gotcha. Uh, so yeah, this is the Imperial and that's why I'm concerned at how fast I've been drinking this. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's just so drinkable. Uh, it's 8.2%. So it's up there. Uh, I'm going to feel it in a minute, but yeah, it's so, it's so easy to drink. It's one of, it's, it's really good because it just does, it feels just like that kind of bigger brother of the top cutter. Yeah. I mean, uh, we've, we're very much on board, both of us, with the uh, Bale Breaker. I love pretty much everything Bale Breaker has put out. Mm-hmm. And I have had the bottom cutter before, and it's tasty for, you know, Imperial IPA. It's not necessarily my uh, my go-to quaff in an Imperial IPA, but it's, uh, yeah, I like it. Yeah. Uh, what what do you have? Uh, I'm a... Uh, drinking a uh, menace brewing you may have uh, heard of them uh it is our perfecting schlag it's our oktoberfest beer which is almost funny enough as october shows up it's almost the end of the oktoberfest so i figured i'd get the last of the oktoberfest uh 
It is the Perfektenschlag, which is a uh, office reference for those <laughs> of you who don't know. Uh, I love this beer. Comes in at five point three percent off the top of my head. Uh, it's a lager, German lager that has a little bit more maltiness into it, a little bit higher ABV. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite beers that we make, and it's a shame that we only do it only is around for about three to four weeks of a, of a year because I would drink this all the time. It kind of hits every single mark of my type of beer. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I'd, I'd, I'd recommend everyone come to the brewery and try it out. But probably by the time this podcast is produced, uh, we'll be out of it at the actual bar, except for in cans, and those will probably be gone soon. So if you're in the Bellingham area, come up and try it. But uh, otherwise, next year. Run. It's almost <laughs> the weekend. It'll be gone, I'm sure. We'll get this out before the weekend. So, yeah, we had a, when I left uh, work yesterday, we had a half barrel of it left. And yeah, mm. those are going to go fast. Yeah. All right. Well, we got through the drinks. What about the Timbit this week? Uh, well, uh, this week, uh, one of my favorite times of the year besides Oktoberfest is the new EA soccer video game comes out mm. this time of year it used to be called fifa and now is now is called uh eafc because fifa and ea got in a, in a little bit of a spat over naming rights and money uh so i would one of my favorite things is the uh, ratings of the players each you know each soccer player in the game gets a rating and i was just wondering which of the current Arsenal squad cares the most about their EA FC rating and which current soccer Arsenal player cares the least about their EA rating? Ooh. I got to think Sokka's in the mix in here. I just feel like he's, he, he, he may not show it outwardly, but secretly this is like his most important thing. Yeah, <laughs> I could see that. I, I think he would, uh, I believe he's, he's not quite 90, like, you know, it's out of a hundred and very few players get above 90. I believe uh, Holland is at 91. I believe Sokka is in the eighties. I want to say 86, 87 off the top of my mm-hmm. head. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's, he's got a, a good rating. So he's probably going to be pretty happy with it. Yeah. But I think he could, you know, it's nice to know that he still has room. You know, I mm-hmm. would hate it if he was like already at his nineties. I'd be like, no way. No way. <laughs> he's not there yet. Anyone else that you think uh, really, really cares about their uh, their FIFA rating? <laughs> you know, you know who absolutely does not. And I, that it's it's got to be Ben White. Oh, I was just going to say that. Yes, <laughs> he could give zero shits about his FIFA rating or his FC yeah. rating. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of who else might care. Do you think Enkedia would care about his rating? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, he. I feel like it, there's... Uh, the, it, as a striker, it's like a measurement of your, your worth a yeah. little bit. So I'm sure that's in the back of your mind. I'm sure he's thinking like... I have a, almost the same rating as Jesus, so I should be starting type of a <laughs> a player. Yeah. I, I was thinking. Uh, about, it, it, go oh, ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Um, no, I was just thinking. It, it's it's hard to imagine um, 
putting too much weight into that game since it's um it's well how how often are they updating the the ratings uh so they they you have your initial ratings and that lasts all year basically but then they have special like uh special player attributes that come out throughout the year and so as you play better some of the players will get special cards that reflect their uh the better performance oh interesting yeah because i feel like if it's static it's hard to put much weight in it because it's kind of a snapshot of where you were when the game was made yeah but uh and so as the year goes by you'll get uh you know players that will start getting higher and i believe uh if you are playing like a uh, seasons mode instead of ultimate team, the the rating does become a little bit dynamic that there's a uh, form involved in it as well. Uh, a player I was thinking that would another player that just would not care. I think Odegaard Odegaard strikes me as a person that would not care if he got a five on his rating. He was just going to sit down with his head down and, uh, and play. I feel like the, if he care, like, I feel like there's a part a part of me that thinks he's kind of a perfectionist. So if he knew about it, he would like care about it. Mm-hmm. Like, wait, they rate me that low, <laughs> and maybe it would spur him on. Yeah, but at the same time, I, I feel like it, it's kind of like he probably he doesn't bother bother with it. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure everybody has played or checked themselves out in that game. Like, it, it's it would be weird to be in a game like that and watch yeah. how badly they they do make your make it look like you. Well, I do know that a lot of players do play it in their off season. There's a you know several players that uh, are actually pretty good at the game. I've I've had the surreal experience of playing with a couple of Sounders on FIFA while we were playing the Sounders, which was a it was it was, it was weird passing to uh, James Riley while I was playing next to James Riley. Yeah. it is a surreal experience even if i'm not james riley i can't imagine it how it would be for him yeah that is bizarre i i don't i mean i think if it doesn't really look like you it separates it a little bit but then it's like well that's it's it's weird if there's something out there that they're saying is you and it looks nothing (laughs) like you like why (laughs) like that that's what represents you in the world yeah well i remember the first uh, year i played fifa was uh 2010 and the sounders were in the video game but they were all generic players so they were just random made-up names which was weird oh yeah that is weird we're to the part of the show that i don't want to i don't really want to talk about this but we we got to uh but i don't want to treat it like it's a it's an it's a negative i just i just don't like like feeling those draws that are like losses you know that's those are the tough ones to me yeah draws that are lost and this one is definitely one of those ones that feels like a loss because you know we were we were ahead two times during the game and you know as i mentioned before arteta definitely said it would felt more like dropping two points than getting a point at home you should expect to beat tottenham even though they're they, i do think they're a better version of themselves than they were last year but I mean, I do think there's positives to pull out of this game, as 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 well as some of the negatives we're going to go into. Uh, I think I don't think we looked that bad. I thought for the first 36 minutes, we looked pretty solid and good. We deserved. I mean, that first goal technically was an own goal, but 
you know, it was going to get scored even if it wasn't an own goal. Um, we had some, you know, bad luck with the uh, the second goal that went in. But I, 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 I'm not doom and gloom just with this draw at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not sure how I feel about it. I think it is uh, a tough, a tough one because of the way it played out. Being in the lead a couple times, it just kind of like dangles out that that feeling that you, it's it's in your hands, and especially playing at home. I think for the most part, it is in their hands. the The unfortunate um, theme in this game to me was that it, it didn't feel convincing like the 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 goals that we did score didn't didn't really speak to the quality of the team that we have well i mean and we could start off with the uh starting lineup it i there were a couple interesting points with the starting lineup but it, i would kind of broadly say this is an an ideal starting 11 for us i you know, when you're looking at that team sheet, when you're lining up, I don't love Jesus on the left there. I don't think that's his strongest position. I know needs must. And there's, you know, the uh, not only the injury to Martinelli, but the uh, late injury to Trissard wasn't ideal. And, you know, with that being a late injury, the uh, the, the coaching staff probably didn't have a ton, ton of time to think about what they were going to do for it. So... You know, we're not starting as the best Arsenal that could possibly play in that game. Yeah, it, it's it's unfortunate with the amount of injuries that we have had that we couldn't put more of our best foot forward, um, especially as it continues to build up with uh, Declan Rice going out of the game at halftime. You know, not not an ideal scenario. You you want your hundred million dollar player, hundred million pound player, um, to be available for the full <laughs> game, of course. Uh, but it just seems like it's 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 par for this season to kind of have to push through these injuries and figure out how to make things work. And for the most part, Arsenal have done a decent job of that. You know, the, um, the drop is certainly there, but it's not so significant that we take ourselves out of games. Like it, it, it may have proved to the difference if rice plays through this game or, you know, we get a little better, um, injury luck and get a Trissard or a Martinelli in this game. Obviously those, those factors matter, but the players that were on the field could certainly have pulled pulled a victory out of this game. It wasn't like it was that far off. Well, I mean, I, and you know, just going to the starting lineup I, I, and and staying on that, I I don't. I think we should have figured out a way to keep Jesus in the center striker, center forward role, whatever you're you're going to call that. And figure mm-hmm. out a different solution to what was going on the left side. I I am trying not to be on the Enkedia. This is my Enkedia <laughs> caveat to everything. But uh-huh. I really just I don't think him starting a striker on these important games is going to lead to success 
all the time. He's not he's not garbage. He's 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 a useful player, but I think I would have rather had Jesus start up there and I don't know, like Smith Rowe. I don't I I mean I, I, as I said, the Trissard injury really kind of threw a, a wrench in it because you have kind of our depth already hit in there by two injuries in a week. But I feel I feel like there's a different solution that could have been worked out there as opposed to just shunting Jesus. Because every time I've seen Jesus play off the uh, of the left side, including when he was playing for City, it's just it's it's not his ideal position, and you lose a lot of what he brings to the game by kind of pushing him off to the 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 sidelines, almost literally. Yeah, I, but and Kenny has no better out in that side, so it's it's um. It is like a, you put in a Smith row. You may, I guess, you could um, try pushing Havertz out to that side, but that's not really his area of expertise. Mm-hmm. And nor do I think he, he was would do any better than what Jesus would would bring there. So it is hard to to find the the true replacement for players like Trissard and Martinelli. And it, it, it's not a knock on the team that we have. It's just you've anytime you've depleted your first and second choice, which is kind of what we faced last season with uh, Saliba and Tomiyasu going out. It's like, what do you do when you're relying on a, th- a third string solution and well, you're really not built to absorb that, that level of injury in a short amount of time? Well, I think it also speaks to the fact of my other drum I'm going to bang on, which is uh, we don't have a good backup striker situation. It's something we did, haven't mm-hmm. addressed for at least three windows now mm-hmm. that there there is no good backup you have in Kedia but in my mind in would always be a third string striker and at this point if Jesus is not up there and Kedia is our second string striker and I mean I guess you're when you're 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 playing you could say Trissard might be a second string striker and he got injured so like both our backup he was playing backup roles for two positions and when he goes right. you have an issue but I'm, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I think when I, when I saw that lineup, I wasn't necessarily excited about it. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it is a lineup that I, I felt like we could do all right with, but it never felt like we were in the driver's seat to the extent that we were able to cut. Co- create turnovers and actually be lethal with them. Like I think in the mm-hmm. first 15 minutes there were, there was a couple opportunities that just were like, I go back to that kind of not feeling convinced by their, their performances. It's like, it, it, it just felt like there wasn't, there was a little something missing in, and not getting those opportunities early in the game. I think it, it, it definitely, is it makes it challenging. I think you get mm. one of those goals early on. It makes, it takes off a lot of pressure. Definitely. Uh, but before we go too far in the game, I wanted to bring up the other interesting, uh, uh, starting lineup thing, which is, uh, Ramsdale did not start again. We had a uh, Rhea in there as keeper. Is this a, a definite sign that Ray is the, uh, the number one and Ramsdale is uh, number two and everything Arteta was saying about keeper rotation was kind of a smokescreen or do you think there is still 
still place for rotation in it or Yeah, it's hard hard to say. You know, Ramsdale did get the start in the um, cup match today, mm-hmm. and I I I don't know what to read from that. And and I I would, on its face, it looks like he's the number two. Yeah, but I'm- it's hard hard to hard to gauge what Arteta's thinking is. Well, I mean, like, I think the way Arteta was framing it before is like different horses for different courses that like you have, you know, different opponents. So why not rotate the keepers? But when you're looking at the three games that we have started, they're very different teams. You know, Everton, PSV and Tottenham all are have different strengths and different weaknesses and different approaches to the game. And he chose to start Rhea all three. So it's kind of where I'm calling BS on Arteta's like, you know, statement that this is just a rotation thing. Mm. I think, I think in Arteta's mind, Ray is the starter and, and Ramsdale is, uh, is definitely the, the, the second string. And hence we started the cup, the, uh, the Carabao cup today is that, that that's a, a very much a secondary concern for us and it can give Ramsdale some minutes. Yeah. And, if he didn't start today, I would be really concerned. But, you know, it's it's tough to make the case that you should be the starter when the, those are your opportunities. Uh, it, it's it's good that he's getting um, a chance, but it's, it's obvious that Arteta has put Rhea in the position to be in the driver's seat at this point, and that's that's hard to overcome when the margins are very minimal. Hmm. And then, you know, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but when I was watching uh, Ramsdale today and comparing it to Rea's last three stars, I do see the distribution aspect of it. That Ramsdale's much more likely to just kind of punt it forward mm. and try and find it there, whereas uh, Rea is much more willing to play it from the back in a more controlled manner. And I, I do know that that's it's something that Pep Guardiari, Guardiola highly prizes, and I think that's rubbed off onto Arteta. Mm-hmm. It, it, when you're looking at the team and you're looking at um, areas that you can get a few, just just a few um, percentage points better, it, it, you have to look at goalkeeping and say, okay. It's good. It could be better. Mm-hmm. But it's a win-win to see to bring somebody else in and see if we can find that those few extra percentages from somebody else, or if that pushes Ramsdale to up his game a little bit faster. Because uh, otherwise, he's he's just going to wait. You know, it's going to be a long development period. I mean, do you think uh, with these uh, three games now with Rhea, do you? S- do you feel a, a percentage difference? Do you, like is there enough uh, data to make your decision on that? No, not yet. Um, he had a good, he had a good stop in the uh, in the derby game. He did. He did. Uh, he did come up with a, a a good save in there. But I'm trying to think of like outside of his distribution, if he's doing anything that's making me convinced that he's the, the obvious number one. Um, 
it's it's it doesn't feel like it's miles ahead it's maybe yards ahead <laughs> you mm-hmm. know if, if if there if there's a race to be won here so i don't i don't think it's as big of a difference between the two as i was uh expecting to see but i i, I trust arteta's assessment of what he sees in the player so if it's uh just a few a few little things that he does just that much better or something that he's provi- providing that Ram still just can't i i'm i'm willing to give it more time to see how this develops yeah i mean as i say like we're not in in training every day we don't see those things and i'm i'm willing to trust arteta with this but it it's gonna be curious to see what happens when Rhea makes his big mistake because every goalkeeper is going to make a big mistake during the season it's just inevitable and see what happens and how Ray responds to it and also how Arteta responds to it. Cause I, I, I think when we look back at the, uh, the season, the season, when we have our end of year podcast, this is going to be a major, you know, discussion point was this correct decision, you know? Do you think he, do you think he keeps the job? Um, and like, what what do you think the the turning point is? I, I I'm trying to think of how Ramsdale could even work his way back in at this point. Uh, if Ramsdale does a solid job in the opportunities he has and doesn't make any mistakes, and if Rhea, I think Rhea really has to mess up. I think Rhea, it's not just one mistake. I think if Rhea makes several game costing mistakes in a row, not even several, maybe like two or three game costing mistakes in a row or in a quick succession, that's where you. Uh, you're going to lose him or where a tenor might have second thoughts, but I don't think uh, anything minor is going to change. And Ramsdale has to stay consistent when the, the opportunities are given to him, like the cup competitions. Hmm. Yeah. I think this goodwill goalkeeping coalition, um, the, it, 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 it can only last so long. I think Ramsdale is going to continue to chomp at the bit as far as getting back into the, the first team. And so um, he's not, I, I don't see either one of them going, going down easily. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out as far as the competition there, because as you said, one or both of them, of them is bound to make a mistake at some point, And that's going to put pile the pressure on one way or the, or the other. Yeah. And I mean, I think it, it, this is playing out and I feel like it's going to play out very differently than the Ramsdale Leno situation in that I don't think uh, Ramsdale is going to push to leave in the winter. I think he's going to really fight for his spot this season. And then we go back to the summer transfer window after the end of this season that if Ramsdale is still not being considered number one, especially if he's looking at trying to keep his or keep, but try and break into the England number one spot. He's he can't be the the bench keeper for Arsenal, right? But uh, I think I think it's going to be. I mean, I I feel like it's a a Fabianski uh, Almunia situation again, where like we have two keepers that have a shout for being the number one, and it's just going to be it's going to be on the field. It's going to be a competition. Hopefully both of them have a good attitude going forward with it and no one gets too, uh, too salty about the, the results. Yeah. I, I don't like that. It feels unsettled. Um, 
because we end up talking about it more than we need to. It's hard to, it's hard not to. It feels like it's yeah. every week it's going to come be a topic of conversation depending on who does what. So, um, it's uh, it's it, it's a distraction for us. It's probably a distraction for somebody else on the team. Yeah, and uh, people have made a big deal about a uh, you know Ramsdale celebrating very heartily when uh, Rhea made a uh, save during the uh, the North London derby. And like, you know, some people are like, is he uh, hiding this fact? Is he trying to pretend to be a good team player? I mean, like we can only take these things at face value. And I do, I do genuinely think Ramsdale is a team player and that he's all in invested in Arsenal for this mm-hmm. season. So, you know, I don't think you're going to get a lot of pet- pettiness from him. Yeah, it, it's, it's in his best interest to, for the team to do well because it continues to, I mean, you, as the as a player that's trying to be um, the national team keeper, you want to be on the best team possible, whether you're starting or not. That you're you're an injury away from being on uh, a very good team. So it it is uh, not. It's not like any player should root against their own team if they're not in the yeah. in the driver's seat. Um, but I think he, it, it's got to eat at him a little bit when he's not starting for sure. Oh yeah. I mean, that's a, a keeper lifestyle is a, it's an interesting lifestyle. I don't envy them because they don't get the same opportunities that like, you know, a midfielder would get. Right. Um, so let's, let's talk quickly about the first goal here. Um, and it, it, it comes from, uh, a typical soccer routine, mm-hmm. uh, get, getting into his favorite space in that uh, corner of the box. And he he just, anytime he can drift into that space and get a shot off, he, he, he finds a way to make it dangerous. And this one comes off a deflection, which um, worked in our favor as far as the keeper goes. But, uh, you know, I kind of said that this wasn't our, our best um showing as far as our goals went mm-hmm. and i i i only i only say that because you know we got the benefit of a deflection and um but that that's kind of being harsh because i think you know he puts in a good shot it's it may not be destined for goal but it, it would anytime you can put the ball in um uh, quickly into dangerous areas and make things it, it, you're going to make mistakes happen like that well, I mean, yeah, and I think if if it doesn't deflect, you see, uh, it was a, a Portuguese player. I'm totally forgetting his name right now. Uh, Vieira. Vieira, and there was one other player that were going to bury that ball if it went past uh, mm. Romero. Like I, I, I think that was going to be a goal, no matter if it was an own goal or not. I, I actually don't think it was a shot. I think uh, Saka was squaring it up for those two players making the run. Uh huh. So. Uh, I, I, yeah, it's a own goal. You can call it quote unquote uh, lucky or whatever. But, you know, as you said, you put it, the ball into dangerous spots. If it wasn't an own goal, it was going to be uh, buried. One of the things I really liked about the goals, if you see the way uh, Sokka and Ben White were working, where Ben White kind of made this run that drew the, the uh, Tottenham defender kind of away from where Sokka was to cover the run, and Sokka was able to cut back and kind of come inside and then open up the space. And I, I, I'm, mm. I think that's, I'm, I'm really liking how Ben White and Sokka are working together and they seem to be on a very, very much the same page and 
opening up space for each other. Yeah, it, they they are the best down that side, and it, it, you you felt it when uh, Party was playing as the right back. It just there there's nothing in, in terms of chemistry there that compares with the the smoothness that we see from White and and Saka working together. They they seem to have an understanding of the space that they need and how to create space for each other. And uh, yeah, White White has that great ability to create create open uh more one-on-one situations for Sokka which is where he seems to um thrive because he he can so easily just dribble his way around a, a single defender whereas he gets he gets trapped a little bit when he's um when he gets into those uh two-on-one situations they just don't, it it usually white doesn't let that happen very often which is is a testament to his his ability to read those situations and um work off of the ball really well definitely and you know I, I as i said i think arsenal had a quite a few chances in the early part of the game and it was nice to actually get a goal for all dominance is the wrong word but i think ascendancy might be the the correct term that we i, I felt for good parts of the first 36 minutes we were we were on top of Tottenham and I think this goal it's nice to get a payoff for that that dominance mm-hmm. dominance again not the right word ascendancy yeah it was uh unfortunate that uh neither goal was really allowed to um sit for very long uh you know the i'm just i'm just re-watching the um the tottenham goal and as for as much for as much praise as um we give Saka on the uh on the offensive side i think this is the one oh no it's um oh maybe it is Saka. yeah yeah it's Saka that that kind of gets burned on the on the wing by uh, um, Madison, and that cut back to Song. It, it, it's it's frustrating because he's able to just poke it with three guys standing around him, three mm-hmm. Arsenal defenders just surrounding Son, and he's he's able to find the space to get a shot off. So it was, ugh, I saw it. It's frustrating to watch that happen. You you know you have a a, a solid de- defense, but none of them can find a way to stop that shot. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, with with Son last year, the it, the question was whether it was a blip or a, a cliff for Son. You know, mm. and I think I, I think this year he's definitely proving that it was a blip, and that he's you know he was getting very much into form before this game. I, I he's you know, this is in his first goal of the campaign and it, you, you do have to be aware of him and be able to defend him a little bit better. And, you know, it's kind of weird with, uh, with Tottenham because before you knew if you could take out Kane from the game, you could, you have a good chance of stopping the goals. And, you know, I think maybe the, uh, defensive responsibilities have laxed a little bit when regards to Son that maybe they don't, you don't feel as uh, urgent, but I think, I think he he's he's proving, especially in that goal, that you know 
you have to be vigilant and on him and not give him any any bit of space to to poke that in right and it's um we go into the the half tide and mm-hmm. uh i how did you how did you feel at that point uh, as far as our momentum was going uh i mean i felt like I, I really wish we would have uh, gotten a second goal when we had a little bit more. Like I, 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 you know, it's always annoying to let a goal in close to halftime, and it's deflating. And I think you, it changes the halftime talk. It changes how you feel. It's basically like starting a, a, a new game at half, and you know. <laughs> I was nervous for most of this game <laughs> and I was right. definitely nervous going in or coming out of half with, uh, you know, the game tied up and men- momentum shifted might be too, 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 but it was definitely not going in our direction. Momentum. Yeah. Yeah. I think that definitely is, uh, a momentum killer. If there ever was one to, especially in these kind kinds of games, it it definitely deflates the home crowd and i i know that the crowd is is always behind this team more than i you know more than ever really it mm. it it's it wasn't like the uh the the crowd got taken out of the game but i think the just the the excitement of that first goal having it kind of gets drained both, you know, both times in this game to have the the other team get back in it is is it it it, it feels like we were lacking in the con- conviction in that first in that first half to really put shut it down put it away and then to have them get back into the game i think kind of closed the door a little bit on some of that that early momentum that we had and so it, it's, it was good to have them come back out in that second half and get stuff going again pretty early on. I think that was key to not letting that, that uh, Tottenham goal control the narrative of the game. Because I think we've, we've found that we can overcome a lot of uh, these sorts of setbacks. And so I think there's a little bit more belief. So when you get into these uh derby situations where usually our emotions were would have gotten the best of us a season or two ago there's a little bit more calm and a little bit more confidence and so i i was glad to see that kind of uh pace and and urgency in that early in that second half to to come out and get that um goal situation created i mean i think you bring up a really good point which is that uh, we've seen even last year emotions get the best of us at some points during the games. And I, I mean, it's a double-edged sword because maybe we could have used a little bit more emotion and a little bit more urgency in this game. Mm. But uh, you didn't see, you know, like, you know, in previous years, you'd had a Jaka or somebody just get hot-headed and 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 very over the, the top. And this team... I think with the confidence that we have from coming from last year that it's it it doesn't phase us and you know when we let a goal in it, 
I don't have the same dread that I've had in previous years where if you let a goal in, you're like, all right, this is it. Like we had our chance and right. it's over. And, and I think that's shown from the field and maybe it's a, you know, a hallmark of an Odegaard captaincy that, uh, you just have a calm head. That's not going to really, you know, flip out with a, uh, uh, letting in a goal. Right. And it's, I'm looking at the 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 penalty shout for the handball uh, coming in the 49th minute. It's early on, so really just getting back in, back into things and coming off of a corner. Ben White in the right right position to make something happen. And this uh, the VAR review of this had me nervous that they were going to pull something crazy. Uh, out of their um, mystery rule book, we'll call <laughs> it, um, to somehow write off this this uh, obvious handball. I like for the amount of time that they looked at this, I was like, what could they possibly be doing to try to discredit this penalty? Uh, I've read an interesting article in the Guardian that, that the uh, the title of it is "Nobody Knows What a Handball Is Anymore." And it, uh-huh. I, it's something that I find myself saying all the time, which I, I, I literally don't know what a handball is anymore. And I don't know what the controversy is. Even the, the Tottenham coach after the game had mentioned that he doesn't know what a handball is. Like, I, I think we're at a point in the game where no one knows what the literal definition of a handball is. And it, it comes down to referee interpretation and there's so many caveats to the law. The, the article actually kind of like broke down a bunch of these caveats. And if we had a friend of the show, uh, uh, Robin uh, Robinson on there on here, our referee, he might be able to break down some of these weird or not weird, but just like nuanced looks of it because it's like, it's not a handball unless the player makes themselves their space bigger unless they're intentionally trying to grab the handball like there's so much caveat that i don't i don't think anyone really knows i think it's something that fifa needs to look at as far as defining or the premier league or whoever's making these rules to actually make a simplified version of what a handball is because i don't think anyone knows to me that was an obvious yeah. call and i wouldn't have even gone to var for it but apparently somebody i he, I don't know that he he didn't make the call initially, so I don't know if he even saw it. Um, I'm trying to look back, because yeah, he didn't he didn't blow the whistle for it. It went out because there was a shot on goal after the handball happened from like Vieira or something. Um, oh, it's Odegaard gets a shot off, so it, you know it, it took the ball going out before the ref even got a chance to look at it. So he didn't call it initially, but why? I guess, I guess if they miss the call, they have to go over and review it to mm-hmm. confirm it. But it, it seems so obvious. Like I, I, I guess they want to have the center ref make the final decision, but it just seems like there should be like a, yep, that's a handball. End of story. Don't need to go look at that. But I mean, they, there were, there were several people complaining, especially if you had a, Tottenham colored glasses that they, it wasn't a true handball. And I know uh, their, their coach kind of complained about it a little bit. And, and it's just like, it, I, I don't know. It's, it's a handball as it's written because 
it's up to each individual to decide what a handball is. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. I mean, in some ways I wish I just get simple. Like it's, you know, I would like consistency and like, just make it as simple, simple idea of like, if the ball touches the hand, it's a handball. Let's just call it that and move on with Mm -hmm. our lives. The idea of like intention or making your body size bigger, or if it's in an unnatural position, which I don't even understand what that means. Like a, (laughs) <laughs> just yeah your, your body's natural position is whatever it's doing to keep you from falling over yeah. or you know like nothing is natural when you're talking about balance and speed and all these things you just yeah. your body does what it does so yeah. intent and then you start talking about intention and it's like it's 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 there's got to be some clarity as to what intention is like, how can somebody come up with that definition? How can you apply it to every single situation and, and be, uh, without some error because you can't, you can't guess intention. It's impossible. Yeah. I mean, and that's where like, I think, uh, you just have to call if it hits your hand, it's a handball and like, it'll probably make for more penalties or whatever. And like maybe intentional, uh, players trying to aim for the hand to get the penalty or, or whatever. But, uh, you know, I mean, as a defender, you see it all the time. They're, they're being trained now very much to have their hands behind their back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe you can make some rules about that. So that if their hands behind the back and someone, and it hits the hand that it's not handball, but I don't, I don't know. The, the, the rule as it is, is, crazy and for me that was a handball i guess it would be the, the the two points i would say yeah uh but it, the penalty looks like it would go to odegaard for a minute but if it was a it was a decoy <laughs> as saka stepped up uh and, and hit, hit it down the middle very confidently i think that that was the exact uh the exact type of uh saka penalty that i like to see with without any hesitation yeah just confidence and i'm i'm i i do enjoy the fact that we have a couple players that are are able and willing to take penalties because it does keep the the keeper guessing they don't have to they have more than one person to prepare for pre-game as far as which way they're going and yeah i love soccer scoring penalties especially after the uh, euros and the abuse he got i think it's Every time he scores one of those penalties, it's a uh, a big f you to uh, any of it, of those naysayers that were uh, being horribly abusive to him. Hmm. Um. So of course, this is um us just asking for punishment <laughs> because it it wasn't very long before uh we left the left the door open for another Tottenham goal. And I think this one was a, was it a minute? Or yeah, maybe? I believe it was a minute. Yeah. Uh, a minute between the, the penalty and Tottenham's tying goal. And uh, Tim, do you, <laughs> you want to tell your experience with this, this goal? Cause it's, it's one of those painful, painful ones when you're trying to watch it from home. Yeah. So, um, I will admit that. So I've watched the the whole game back, but I uh, I was sleeping in after a wedding because it was a good wedding. Congratulations, Luis! Uh, and so I woke up and I was staying at an Airbnb with my friend who's an Arsenal fan. And I woke up 
and I checked my phone to check the score because I was not going to not check the score for the North London Derby. So I was 2-1 up. So I quickly threw on my pants and uh, went downstairs. And in between the time I checked my phone when we were 2-1 up and I made it downstairs to watch the game, it was 2-2. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this is an interesting one. And it it's... Um, I, I mentioned it earlier. Declan Rice comes off at half, and um, I'm trying to now. I'm trying. There was a second sub. Why am I blanking on? Oh, Vieira comes off mm-hmm. right, and we get uh, uh, Jorginho. And was that Havertz? Yeah, I believe that was Havertz. Yeah, Havertz for Vieira. I believe, was the, uh, yeah, that's right. So. Uh, you know, I, I should have mentioned that because, you know, that put a little damper on my spirits going into that half. So that's why I was glad we were able to come out and get, uh, a quick restart, a quick jump on things. But yeah, the, the subs made their presence felt, uh, (laughs) in this case, uh, this was a, this was squarely on Jorginho, which is surprising because he usually comes into games uh to lock things down to kind of be a, a defensive presence and he's sure he's sure-footed typically and this was anything but that as he gets his pocket picked in in the worst possible position i think it's uh is it madison that does the does the dirty work there yeah, yeah i think it's madison to some uh, making the same connection as the first goal and uh, just nothing, nothing to be done about it. You know, it put, put the keeper in no man's land with a two on one situation. So uh, you, you can't write more dramatic North London Derby. It just didn't, didn't go our, our way. And I, I hate that this comes as a self-inflicted wound at the end here. Yeah. And I mean, I know Jorginho is not necessarily a first play or a first uh, choice in midfield, but I, I feel like he's that player you put in to solidify the midfield and to make sure mistakes don't happen and like uh, you know keep calm possession of the ball. And for him to be the one that made the mistake in possession is is a doubly harsh you know uh, thing to happen. Mm-hmm. I. I don't think it typifies his game. I'm not like, you know, Jorginho out, sell him next transfer window, but it's, it's, it, it's not ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it happens and we've seen it happen. We've seen it happen to other players on this team, but it's, it's a double hit when it's in this, this type of game. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately that was, that was the, um, the final goal in the game, despite both teams having a pretty dramatic final quarter of the game, it, it didn't turn into anything, but there was, there's quite a bit of back and forth and it it could have gone either way. It was definitely a nerve wracking coming in and, and watching the final 15 minutes. It uh, was back and forth. I, I do feel like 
you know, if I take off my Arsenal colored glasses, I think it was a deserved draw because I think both teams had the chance to to win it. Both teams gave up goals. It was a it was a very unfortunately evenly matched game. I don't think any either mm. team dominated. I think there were points both teams uh, looked like they could have won it, but at the end of the day, you know, we shared the 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 points, and I don't think it was. I don't feel as disappointed I am with the result. I don't think it was an unref- unfair result based on the 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 play, the the what was happening on the pitch. Hmm. I with the ten minutes of added time, I was really hoping for a last minute uh, miracle goal. I thought there was some good opportunities in there. Uh, some poor opportunities as or poor some <laughs> opportunities that were not taken advantage of as well. Uh, but yeah, it, it was definitely equally nerve wracking as shots were coming in the other direction as well. Uh, Richarlison came in late in the game and made his his annoying presence felt. He's so annoying. Like he he did everything. Like I remember that we were in for Richarlison, and every time I see him start for Tottenham, I'm so glad we didn't sign him. I know he has talent, uh-huh. but yeah, he's a he's he's a he's a player that makes it easy to hate Tottenham when I see him on there. Yeah, yeah, he's he's not someone that is easy to love. So. Glad he he's not one of ours. Yeah. Uh, uh but yeah, that was a there were some interesting uh chances, but nothing that came came to anything. And so the tie is what we end up with. And I think we, like you said, deserved what we got, unfortunately. It never never felt like we were able to be as in control as we probably should have been for a, a home match. And so this is probably, um, as Arteta put it, going to go down as two points lost. And it, it it does feel like there was something left on the field. Like it just didn't did it didn't feel like there was uh, the cutthroat mentality that we needed in some points of this game, where we just needed that little bit of call it luck, call it tenacity, whatever it is, just that little bit more to put us over the hump because it was really evenly matched. And maybe it was the people that we had playing um, due to injury or other, other factors, but um, just the ball breaking for us, one of those shots could have made all the difference, of course, but it just felt like the, there was a couple moments where we could have done a little bit more and just weren't able to do it. And so a tie is probably right, but it's going to be, it's, it's a tough one to drop any points. This season is going to be tough. I mean, I, it, it also does set up the, uh, the away game very nicely. I think, uh, it's normally for these derby matches or derby matches. I get very, uh, nervous about them. I hate, like I hate slash love them. There's so much like passion in my mind about it and, things but i'm i'm ready to go again i would love if we played them next week like i i just i feel there's so much on the table and i think the players are probably feeling the same way that we're we're i think there's a little bit of uh we're gonna try and get our revenge next time we play them i think uh there's gonna be some high motivation next time we play them 
Mm-hmm. I I don't think we want to lose the series, and and that's that's going to put some pressure on. Hmm. Um. So. I I felt like we came out of that with, you know, relatively unscathed. So I I was confident that whatever team we were able to put out for this uh, Carabao Cup game was going to be sufficient to get a win out of Brentford. Unfortunately, I had the craziest days. So I didn't get a chance to watch any of this game, but you did. So what was yep. your what was your feeling on this? Uh, EFL Cup match today. I do, I do love a Wednesday game because I get to just sit in my pajamas, have a, especially a, once noon hits, I'll uh, crack open a beer and uh, watch the game and have be able to watch it. I I thought it was an interesting game. I, I mean, you had so many changes throughout the team. You had Ramsdale back in. I think really the only first team starters that you would really say you had a uh, Gabriel in there and otherwise it was a pretty fully rotating white was in there too. I, uh, but a lot of kind of players trying to make their case for, uh, being in that starting 11 starting, you, you got a, uh, uh, in up top, you had a, a Reese Nelson in there. You got a Smith Rowe and gosh, I'm, Forgetting his name, but a youth player that got his first uh, Arsenal start, uh, Salinko, so Sa- Sa- Sago, Sago, yes, Sago, Sago Junior. And uh, so there, there, it was, it was interesting to see uh, that lineup, and I think it matched well with Brentford. You could see the quality that are, especially in the uh, first first half, Arsenal really had quality. Uh, Brentford was, you know looking for the counterattack. There were a couple dangerous looking times where they were going down and making the counterattack and just couldn't finish it. Uh, I really like highlights. Uh, uh, Reese Nelson obviously scored the goal and looked dangerous Mm -hmm. throughout the game. And a reminder that, you know, I think he could be knocking for some of these uh, starting positions. Smith Rowe, I thought looked all right. Kiviar actually uh, was someone who really impressed me this game. I thought he had a, a, a really good, solid defensive game. He was playing on the uh, as a right back instead of a center back, which I thought was uh, interesting to see. So you had Tommy Asu in as center back partner to uh, Gabriel and uh, Kiviar out as the uh, right defender, left defender. Oh, he's a, oh, sorry. Left, yeah. Sorry, left defender, not right defender. Uh, and Kiviar looked very solid, very good. Uh, Inkedia looked like Inkedia. I think this is a at, at, at the Brentford level. I think Inkedia is someone who looks handy, but not world beating. And I think this is kind of where his level is. But I wasn't amazingly impressed with him. I um, and then there's a, a, a certain player that I. I if you wanted to get into the uh, questions we have about this certain player, we it's probably a good time to talk about him because we didn't talk about him very much in the last game, which is uh, Havertz. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you how he did in this game because I he obviously didn't start the last game. Mm-hmm. Um, 
came on at the half, got some looks, but again was not impressive. I mean, he had a he had a good open shot uh, that ended up going who knows where on like probably the 80th, 83rd minute or something of the the Tottenham match. So uh, he he's definitely getting opportunities and not really pulling them off. It it didn't look like he was any more confident than he's, you know, we have not seen him play confidently this whole season. So it, it, the, the Tottenham match was no, uh, there was no points in his favor coming off the bench. Do you, did you feel like he added anything to this game today? And I, before I answer that, I'm going to go into the, uh, the questions we had from uh, SLMI and kind of, uh, uh, Jonathan King Monius uh, both kind of talked about uh, the same thing, which is uh, how long do we give Havertz before giving into the overpriced talks? And then uh, Jonathan saying, I can't tell if he's hiding or if the other players don't trust him. And I think with Havertz, I think whether he's hiding or the other players don't trust him in this game, this game today against uh, Brentford, he was very anonymous. Like I, I, I just, he's the type of player that I totally forgot was on the pitch. I don't, he's not adding things. He's not really getting looks at the ball. He's not having a lot going on and his body language. And I, I mentioned it when we were talking about the, uh, Everton game question mark but where we, when he's coming down the tunnel and everyone else was celebrating he kind of hid from the cameras he just he 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 looks like he has no confidence right now and I'm not I'm still not to answer SM, SMLI's uh, question I'm not ready to like just completely write him off at this point but I'm I'm definitely in worried stage with him that I he he hasn't shown much in Arsenal. There, I I don't think you could put together a highlight reel for him with Arsenal no, <laughs> colors. No, I don't. I I I don't think it would be a five second highlight reel. I don't think I can't think of anything he's done that's been justifying his inclusion in the definitely the starting eleven. And this game was no exception this Brentford game I'm I'm definitely getting to more of the point of I'm over him and I think both him and his teammates are really realizing that right now yeah it's and I feel bad for him because I they they showed his face after the um miss in the Tottenham match and you can see the exasperation and I can understand that when you have these opportunities in front of you and you just continue to misconnect and it's just not working. Um, it's, it's extremely frustrating. And so I am imagining he is, uh, feeling it every bit as much as the fans are if in probably 10 times more for every shot that he misses and every pass that doesn't work out, he's probably kicking himself as much as anybody else. But, there's something to, that you have to 
obviously he is he is skilled enough and and has quality to get to this level but something along the way has been lost i i can't i can't tell you where that well he went to chelsea and and (laughs) that that's enough but it's it's clear that he has lost his way somehow and i don't know how you find your way back except for playing through it but it's it's so frustrating as a fan and i'm sure as a coach to have to continually throw a player out there to try to get him over the hump and not really getting much of anything out of him like it's not even like he's not scoring therefore he's um really kicking in like you know when when jesus doesn't score he does so much more around the rest of the field i cannot say the same for Havertz. I just he's so like you said anonymous is the best best qual, uh, qualifier for him. I I'm not 100% there yet, but I'm having more and more of a feeling that the Premier League is just too big of a step for him. Uh and I'm not trying to sound harsh. I I do think he has a lot of talent, but it, you know when he was at Chelsea, there was always the excuse he was being played out of position. He was, uh, you know, in Chelsea, which is a whole nother can of worms. And there's a lot of caveats to that. But when you're seeing the same things that was happening to him at Chelsea, that's happening to him at Arsenal, you can kind of make the, the assumption that it, maybe it's, it's not the team or the situation. It's just that he's, gone a step too far that uh maybe the Bundesliga was where his highest level was going to be at and you know it's it's a lot of money we spent on him and I think we might start looking at trying to recruit that money because unless he starts to really turn on really quickly I'm I think he he's running out of chances you know, and I think we're being probably the kindest of Arsenal <laughs> uh, people to say that about him. I think there's a lot more people that are 100% ready to give up on him. I'm about 85% ready to give up on him. Yeah, but it, it Vieira's not the answer there necessarily. I mean, he got pulled for being kind of anonymous himself in, in, in some ways, uh, at least uh, not up to the standard that he is, has been playing at recently. But so then you look at a Smith Rowe, is that the answer there or where, who, who comes in and, and does that job at, at the level we need? But that, I mean, I, I would, we very rarely disagree and uh, quibble on this podcast, but that's where I would say that like Vieira would be a better replacement right now because he has shown at least that he has some flashes of brilliance. He has scored goals. Mm. He is uh, taking games on. And while it's not consistent, it's there. Whereas Havertz has none of that, uh, that body of work to, to, to go back on. And I would take inconsistent brilliance over consistency anonymousness. That's the word anonymousness, right? Anonymity. That's right. And at this point, I you know, that's I'd rather have a Vieira. And then, like as I said, like I'd be interested to see what Smith Rowe would do in that position. I mean, 
if we had a healthy uh, uh, Trissard, which it sounds like his injury isn't going to be, when I was reading it earlier today, his injury isn't going to be a long-term injury, but Trissard is 100% starting over him every day of the week. And I don't know, like, Jorginho, I, 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 pretty much anyone who has midfielder credentials, I would be starting over, uh, over Havertz at this point. Yeah, I just, I want somebody who's going to contribute from that important position because we know what uh, Odegaard does on the other side. You have to mm-hmm. really be at that level. And, uh, you know, Martinelli usually steals the show down the left or, or Trissard does, but you need somebody to play off of that and and that form that triangle with um you know that that left hand side that really needs that that balance to not force everything down the right i think that's been uh, a little too we've been a little too reliant on that right hand side at, at times and you don't want to get stale you don't want to get predictable and feeding a, a player like martinelli or trossard is really important to how we function. Uh, and obviously without those two players in the lineup right now, it, you need more production out of a, a, that, that number eight role that Havertz is, has been taking up. Uh, if it's Vieira, at least he's contributing goals and assists to some degree. So I think that's the obvious choice. But yeah, like you said, Smith Rowe is, it should be knocking on the door for that as well. And, I would hope that we're able to get something out of the three of them in that position because it's just too important to to have holes in the field where we're not getting production in that um, final third. Uh, I think th- I think he's going to get keep getting looks though because I just don't think you can close the door on him and expect it to work itself out. So then it's it's sunk cost, which is a, a bit too too rich to just let it go at this point. The sunk cost fallacy is a fallacy for a reason, which is just because we paid that much money. Money. I, I look at a. There's plenty of examples with the Pepe situation, as well, which is like yeah. you keep on trying to give this person looks, and it's obviously not working. You might as well actually try and find a solution and just write off. I mean, it was eyebrow raising when we signed him to begin with, and I get it, and I'm not criticizing our signing policy, but it it was always a gamble and i think the more you try and double down on your gamble the less uh fruit you're going to get out of it and it you might it just might be a situation where we have to cut early we just have to say this this isn't working right well i'm i'm anxious to see how this plays out it it may be that we see more and more of viera or it he continues to tinker with that position to see what we can get out of that group of players. But, uh, it's too, it's too, it's too important to leave it to Havertz full time. I think we've got to see some more options there and seeing Vieira start in the, in the Derby matches, probably a sign of what's to come, but he's got to step up too. We got to get consistency out of the, that position for sure. Yeah, and and the other thing I'll say about Vieira is like you see the flashes of brilliance and like I feel like he has more of an upside and you know he's a Vieira is still a developing player and so it feels like 
the more match minutes you get into him, just like Martinelli, you know, like the more match minutes you get into him, the more growth you're going to see. Whereas, you know, I'm starting to question whether giving Havertz match minutes is going to make any more development in his Premier League career. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, unless you have more to add on Brentford, I think that's no. we won. Probably all it's we need to one nil. Yeah, on on the club. It's it's not the most important comp- com- competition in the world, but it's it's it does uh, kind of like the Europa League. It does give us time to uh, put some of these players that are more on the fringes, give them minutes, and give them a. Uh, a uh, a spotlight to showcase their talents and maybe make a case for being in the starting 11. And I think it's important to have these games for Ramsdale so that he can show that he, uh, he can possibly take back the, uh, the, the starting goalkeeping position. So it's, it's useful at the end of the day. I wouldn't be horribly upset if we got knocked out at some point, but cause we have bigger fish to fry, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be sad about that, but it, it is nice to get, some minutes for a you know an academy player and um as you said keep keep some of these guys sharp as they kind of ride on the fringes uh they need game minutes and i think players like nelson give him giving opportunity is is gonna make the case for him playing more minutes in the premier league and i think uh he he's shown glimpses as well and if he can get some confidence and some time i think he he can contribute especially as we're looking a little bit uh light on that side of the pitch so if he's able to come in and and, um fill in admirably while uh we we have martinelli and dressard out that might be a a good uh short-term fix for the team uh so we've got a couple games coming up uh which I believe is back to... Oh, first we have Bournemouth this weekend uh, on Saturday and then a Champions League match on Tuesday of the following week. We're already into October. What? I know, dude. Do not even <laughs> talk to me about the, the way the calendar is going way too quickly. <laughs> well, um, yeah. So I guess just starting uh, October off with... Uh, second group stage match on Tuesday and uh yeah we'll we'll have a podcast after that but the uh Bournemouth match what I'm, I'm not even sure how they're doing so far this season not great <laughs> not great yeah here the, here's the table and yeah. yeah it's looking at three points so they've got some they got some work to do uh this would be a good good match to get get things going again yeah I mean not not to sound too overconfident, but it, it is a game we should be winning. I don't know if there's much to really preview other than we really should be winning the, this game. I I expect to win this game, and it's nothing against any team in the Premier League. I'm not trying to be overconfident, but it's just like where we're at as a team, even not having the bang that we wanted to, this is what we need to do. Uh, you know, Bournemouth has not looked good. I don't. I really don't even know what kind of weapons they have. It's it's it really shouldn't shouldn't being the keyword be a challenge for us. Yeah, 
uh, we we need to come out strongly. And I don't like sitting in fifth. I don't want to be that far down the table as people are, <laughs> um, you know, 14 points out of uh, possible 18. We can't, we can't continue to have draws. We certainly can't have losses as you've got Liverpool at 16 points, Man City at 18 points. That gap is going to continue to look bigger and bigger. And it's not too early in the season to be worried about uh, points. I think we can't, can't take games lightly, especially home games um, like the the derby match. Every to every opportunity you have to bank points, um, especially at the cost of your rivals, who are you know, Tottenham sitting right there in fourth place. That it, I I do, I want to put them behind us and not look back. So yeah, I don't like being neck and neck with with that sort of team. Yeah, I mean, I think this year is going to be very different from last year, which is last year you had a lot of. Uh, a lot of teams that were uh, underperforming, including Liverpool mm. and Tottenham. And you, you have Chelsea underperforming right now. Long late, may it last. But, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think Liverpool is sneakily putting together a very good season. I think, unfortunately, as much as I hate to say it, and it's going to turn into ash in my mouth, I think Tottenham is going to be a better team and a more consistent team than last year. Uh, so there, there are more challengers than just uh, City to worry about. So you know, these are the games you have to win. These are the games that keep you in the contention for you know that top spot. And I mean, looking ahead a little bit further down the road, you've got Bournemouth, the, the Lens game on, on Tuesday, and then uh, Man City match uh, following Sunday. So it. it Momentum is a thing that mm-hmm. we need to keep in mind as well. So winning at Bournemouth, winning at Lens, I think you have to have to not stumble in, in that uh, runway towards Man City here. Yeah, and talking about the Champions League game, like I, this is like the Lens game is a classic banana peel game in which mm. there's no reason we shouldn't win this game, the uh, Lens game handily, and you know even following you know, European soccer and continental soccer. And I generally have a lot of time of day for a lot of European teams like PSV. I thought would be a harder lens is a team that we really should handle easily. And it's a team we need to beat. And I just hope we don't uh, get overconfident and overlook it, but that's the only way I can see us not winning that game. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we will we will have to wait and see what kind of lineup uh, we're able to put together for that. But I'm hopeful by the time we get to the Man City match that a lot of these uh, injuries that have been troubling us will be behind us. I think the concern right now is with with Rice and Trossard and Party and <laughs> Martinelli. You really, it, it's really starting to stack up, and of course, it's affecting us to some degree, especially if we don't have rice or party i I think that's uh concerning and i i would like to see us get as close as we can to full health by the time that man city game comes around but playing playing two game two three games a week it it does wear on you and especially when you're dipping deep into the bench already to grab players to fill in um it can be a little grueling when you don't have the the bodies to rotate as much as you need to. 
Yeah, I mean, and again, I'm grateful for the death that we've been able to put together that, you know, this run of injuries would have been catastrophic two years ago. And it's not ideal right now, but we do have players filling in that are, you know, a step down, but not the same step down that we would have had two years ago. We were looking in like, mm-hmm. you know, in midfield, the Conga and El Nenny would be playing in her midfield if this was the case two years ago. Yeah. Well, it's it is nice to be able to breathe a little bit easier and know that there's quality in this team, at least a, a, enough to to get us through Bournemouth, hopefully, and uh, hopefully buy some more time to get some of these guys back back in in full health. Yeah, and then you know we will talk more about the uh, Man City game once it comes up, but <laughs> it is on the horizon. Oh, I forgot to mention about the. Um, the game today, I was surprised to see Cedric and Elneny made it into this match. Yeah. I mean, it shows you, it does show you the, uh, that we are scraping the barrel. Like, so it's like a 25 person squad. And I think we have what eight injuries right now. Uh huh. Like that's why you're seeing Cedric and, uh, and Elneny, uh, on the, on the bench and making it into the team is like, we're going from our, uh, second to third choice, being our starters and then our third to fourth choice being our uh, bench players. So we, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm knocking on wood right now. Like we, we, we can't sustain much more injuries, like more than a quarter of our team is injured right now. So. Yeah. Uh, that, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll keep that in mind when we look back on this part of the season and hopefully it's just a, a blip as we get some some of these players back and and get things back on a little bit firmer footing going forward. Yeah. All right. I think that's about all for us. Um, did we hit all our questions? We did. We talked about Havertz. Um, so I I have vowed to keep things short now. So I'm I will say in nothing but check check out our links to everything where you want to find us in the world you can all be found in our show notes so for us wait whoa how do i do this last part oh again gosh, you've, you've gotten the new I, fi- I finished i finished my beer and it erased it erased <laughs> my memory of how to do the end of this show um okay let's try that again so that's it for us this week so as always see you at the next gun show